0: Welcome to Welcome to Primetime, a show covering the Freddy Krueger-hosted anthology series Freddy's Nightmares one episode at a time. I'm Brennan Klein. Every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. You get one new episode for every donation. Please help us keep going by giving to The Okra Project, an organization that is working to feed black trans people in need. You can find out how to donate in the show notes. This week's patron is Bart Kimball and our guest... He's the founder and editor of Ghastly Grinning, co-host of the Keep Screaming podcast, and the founder of the We Are Horror online magazine. It's Ryan Larson. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about uh, Freddy's Nightmares with you.
0: <laughs> you sound very convincing. I'm glad.
1: <laughs> no, I really am. I was I I was trying to make sure I didn't like mess up the name. <laughs> I was like, it was called Freddy's Nightmares, right? Okay.
0: It sure is. Um, yeah. We, um, well, okay. Before we dive in, do you want to tell us a little bit about We Are Horror, which is kind of the newest thing, and then maybe a little bit about Keep Screening, you know, the other, the other, the other one,
1: not. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So uh, We Are Horror is we have uh, our inaugural issue is out, which you can find. Um, we are so how We Are Horror works is it's completely um, funded by you guys. So we have a Patreon. Um, you can find us at Patreon.com/slash We Are Horror. Um, and it kind of came about in the collapse of Fingoria. Um, and I, I've been- Which is also how
0: this podcast came about.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, it's produced so many good things. Um, and now it's back. So it did all these things and, and we still get it. So, um, no, it was, um, I've been doing freelance now for a number of years and- you know, um, Fingo was definitely always one of the most um, noticeable horror uh, ventures for diversity and giving people platforms, so when Fingo went down, all these places were talking about how, like, oh, like we can do it, we're going to step up to the plate, we're going to do it, and tons of those places do exist, like, don't get me wrong, Um, This Is Grim, Anatomy um, of a Scream, um, Morbidly Beautiful, uh, Rue Morgue, they're all great at, like, diversity and championing um, inclusiveness, but I was like, you know what, I... I'm tired of, like, people saying they're going to do it and, like, only doing it half-assed. Or I'm tired of, like, having to, t- like, kind of take all the steps in between. So I'm just going to do it myself. And I reached out to a couple people, Tyler, Terry, and Danny, um, to help launch We Are Horror, which is our, platform, or our Our entire thing is 80% of every issue is guaranteed to be from a uh, female writer, a writer from the LGBTQIA+. Um, community, um, a person of color, um, uh, in- indigenous writers, um, disabled writers, we're really trying to shine a light on marginalized and um, and really give them a platform and finally give them a place to, sp- um, to speak and also ensure that they're paid. So every single writer and every contributor is paid except the only people who aren't paid are me and Tyler. Um, we decided at the, like, right when we launched the magazine that, like, we would take no pay because we want to make sure... I mean, we're two, like, white dudes. we're So, like, um, and, like, you know, straight white dudes. So we are like, uh, we're done. We don't need to get paid for this. We want to ensure that everyone else is getting paid for it. Um, so all the writers are paid. Anyone who contributes um, to the magazine is paid. Um, our first issue was on kind of just... The other is what we we like kind of called it, which was just focusing on all those um, marginalized voices in horror and how they exist within the genre. Um, and then the second issue, which will be out um, October fifteenth. Is on Slashers. And uh, Brennan has a piece in that issue.
0: I do. And I'm very excited about it. It was really fun to write.
1: It is super fun. I can't wait for everyone to read it. The best part, by the way, Brennan, I haven't even told you this, but uh, when the editors got it, they were so lost. They were like, what is this piece? And I had to like. It's
0: very conceptual.
1: Yes, it's very conceptual. And I had to like break it down for them. And then like Danny sat on it for a day. And then they came back to the table, and they were like, oh, this is fantastic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I'm really, really excited for all of the pieces, and that one is uh, the 15th, and yeah, I mean, you can support, it's only $4 a month um, to support, and then there's an $8 tier that gives you extra column, or like extra pieces that are on our Patreon. Um, BJ Calangelo is our first reoccurring columnist, she has a a column every month, Um, so we're really excited about that, and... Um, let's see. I keep screaming my podcast. I do with my best friend, B. Bee. We've been going, we hit our three-year anniversary this October. Um, so every other week, um, for the most part, unless, like, life gets in the way because B has a child and I've had a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you have uh, a
0: Lemony Snicket novel and she has a it, dependent.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, but mostly every other week we cover one slasher movie from top to bottom. Um, I'm really excited um to be hitting our three-year mark this this month we're doing four episodes um just like to kind of celebrate it so we're doing like our back to school stuff since we kind of missed out on september uh and covering pieces and night school and then we're doing our Uh, yeah and then we're doing our halloween stuff and we're covering um newer ones so we're doing hellfest and trick um so yeah you can find that anywhere you can find podcasts and then, of course, yeah, the website, Ghastly Grinning, um, which is where you find the bulk of my reviews and where I try to also, also like bolster other new voices and reviewers. Um, and then I'm everywhere. I have a column over at Bloody Disgusting that you can find. I'm covering Beyond Fest for Consequence of Sound. Um, I don't know. I'm on this podcast with Brandon right now. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> You're a jack of all trades. I try. I try. Or A, a jack of the one trade, but everywhere that does this <laughs> particular trade.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, well, anyway, uh, we're going to catch up on where you can find all that again at the end of the episode. But first, we got to talk about some Freddy's Nightmares. Yeah. Um, we're to talk about season two, episode three. It's called Welcome to Springwood. Original air date was October 22nd, 1989. So we're, we're in the same month as this episode would have come out. Ooh, fun. Um, here's what you could have watched instead in theaters that weekend. Um, uh, stuff that, like, people would have heard of, but I'm not that excited about. Um, Drugstore Cowboy, Gross Anatomy, and Next of Kin. The, the Swayze one, not the Australian one. Gotcha. Um, the writers on this episode were Gil Adler and A.L. Katz. They are, they are big names, but we've already talked about them on Freddy's Tricks and Treats with Shan Chalakian. So, you know, you get it. Um, the director here is Ken Wiederhorn, who directed a bunch of these. And I always am fascinated by him. He did Eyes of a Stranger and Shockwaves and Return of the Living Dead 3 or two i don't know one of them it's ken Wiederhorn. look him up um the cast here this particular episode not super exciting except um as a character of roxanne is leah ayers who's the uh well she's what you could call the final girl in the burning but the burning mostly Ah. has final boys and then a girl who just also survives right um, but she's the kind of standout person as I was looking at this. I was like, oh, I, I actually know her face. <laughs> um, okay. So, Ryan, let's get into it. Right. Um, basically, we open on an, a married couple. They've been driving all night to Springwood, Ohio, home of the free. <laughs> um, she's already, like, planning on interior designing their new house. She mentions how she's so pleased to live in a calm little town, so so pleased that she has stopped taking her medication. Um, And apparently she has packed her pills with the movers, which is always a bad idea. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you've ever taken any sort of medication, but keep it on you, (laughs) is my advice.
1: But it's very good for the plot.
0: Oh, of course. Right. Um, Also doug um who is the husband has been introduced to us as the best criminal lawyer this town has ever seen which is a low bar considering the freddy krueger debacle that this town has had he or just has
1: maybe... to like not Sorry, what? let i was gonna say he just has to like not let child murders loose
0: <laughs> yeah it's pretty easy i mean although actually now that i think about it maybe freddy's criminal lawyer was really good which is how he got out I'm not. I'm not claiming to be a legal expert, but they have an issue with criminal lawyers in this town, so I don't think he's going to be welcomed with open arms. Um, yeah, Freddie shows up in his little liminal space. He says a whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff. Freddie's really chatty this season, um, but especially he's like, "Marriage is a moving experience," and he says something about how he's the welcoming committee for Springwood and yada yada yada. Um, yeah, the
1: puns are. Um there's a lot of them (laughs) and so this is the first episode i've ever seen of the show by the way and it was weird to me because obviously it's like a riff on um tales from the crypt but it was weird that we get like a cold open before we get introduced to freddy
0: yeah that's something that i when i was originally looking up these episodes i thought that the freddy parts had been cut out because i just couldn't find (laughs) them, because they're just kind of buried at random points
1: yeah, it just was, like, strange for me because I'm so used to Tales from the Crypt and then, like, to see them do the cold open and then it cuts to Freddy and then he usually gets, like, a stinger. I was like, the stinger, obviously, I'm used to, but I was like, oh, that's interesting that you introduce us to the world first and then... That's more, like, Twilight Zone-esque to me.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's... the Freddy's Nightmares is nothing if not structurally confounding. <laughs> um... Basically the whole structure of this entire series is it's avant garde to say the least. It's it's very strange and it's it's interesting. It's an interesting choice. Um not always used to the best uh of their abilities, but it's interesting. Um basically okay, so Ladies Home Alone I did not write down her name, so I'm not sure. <laughs> um but there's this, like, sexy mover handyman guy. Um, he shows up and he's like, I have all these boxes. I don't like to be kept waiting. And she immediately gets really horrible, you know, sexual assault vibes from him and because he's giving them off. Um, and he's like, there's something I need you to do real bad. Sign this receipt. And he's just incredibly creepy and then when she finally opens the boxes she discovers like a bloody dress with stab wounds in it yeah <laughs> and that's great it is great and i i love how like I, you'd assume that the dress would have been kept on the person who was stabbed so i wonder where she ended up um yeah, and also a a case of swords like it, it looks like a saxophone case and i was kind of excited but then it was just full of like katanas and like a bloody tiny sword knife thing
1: i do kind of wish now that the killer used a saxophone instead
0: that would have been so cool like we already you know we have the town the dreaded sundown which has the trombone kill but we need more instrument-based murder i say
1: yeah uh, i 100 agree with you i don't know what's that movie there's some movie that has like a saxophone thing in it blood honey i don't know something
0: oh the devil's honey
1: yeah isn't there some like instrument stuff in that i've never seen it i don't know i could be speaking think... out of turn here
0: I think it's, like, a sex-related saxophone. Cool. I don't think it's a murder saxophone. Oh, okay. Well,
1: less sexy saxophones and more murder saxophones.
0: Yeah, we have plenty of sexy saxophones. I mean, after they made Mad Max, and it's just um, Mad Max's wife playing the saxophone in her underwear, I don't see how we could have improved on the sex factor of the saxophone.
1: I mean, there's the dude from Lost Boys. Like, that's always my go-to sexy saxophone.
0: That's a really good point. They really just should have shut it down after that. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Um but yeah, so basically she falls asleep because it is
1: really easy to fall asleep in Springwood. Um, um Yeah, we'll touch on that later, I guess. I did that was like the one one big note I had. I was like these bitches, can I cuss? Um Yeah, yeah. These bitches sleep a lot. And I don't mean bitches, I don't I'm not saying women, by the way. I mean like everyone. Like literally everyone in Springwood, like that is the sleepiest, doziest town in the world because everyone just casually falls asleep all the time.
0: Yeah. And just, you know, sitting up against hard surfaces, just anything like for me, I'm extremely jealous of the just kind of rampant narcolepsy of this town. Um, Just because like, I have a hard time getting to sleep in my own bed at nighttime. And these people could be like on a pogo stick just falling asleep.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, like, they kind of play it fast and loose with, um, it's dangerously close to Micronap sometimes, because they really, like, they kind of blend in daydreams here, um, like, a lot of the times.
0: Oh yeah, it's, it is, uh, not very well organized, their, <laughs> their dream antics here. <laughs> yes. Um, but basically, yes. Yeah, so she falls asleep, leaning against a box. Um, she imagines the owner of the boxes as this creepy old man who pauses a lot in between all of his words. He's like, and he's just shouting at her like, I've been through your things. And so he's kind of screaming at her like, I know about you. Did you look through my boxes and, you know, find out about my secrets? And he's like menacing her. It just, her apartment right now is the Grand Central Station of horrifying men.
1: Yes. That was another note I had on this episode. I was like, she's just like consistently running into creepy dudes.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, that does happen a lot in this show and in the 80s and just in the world. So I guess it works out. Um, but he's like, I need to know what you know. And she wakes up and she's like, oh, thank God. Um, and then she sh- somehow she changes into this beautiful, like, colorful camo crop top sports bra situation yeah i don't know what it is but it looks
1: great it does it was definitely like it caught my eye i was like whoa what is that outfit that's very different
0: yeah also is it still today like when did she change (laughs) um yeah and then of course um the mover shows up again and he's he just starts flirting with her again and then I think she wakes up again and then the scary man comes back and she gets tied to this table made out of boxes as he sharpens his knives and it's just truly we're alternating between these between these misogynists who want to do terrible things to her
1: yeah and the whole time too i'll say because again this is my first episode so i was like i i didn't know what the structure was and i was like oh is that guy like freddy and like one of his classical guises i'm like like he's gonna rip his face off and it's gonna be freddy and i was like oh no it's not um it's just some guy it's just some like i mean but like didn't his voice a little bit sound to you like when freddy does his like deep voice thing i don't know kind
0: of yeah no it's weird because freddy does appear as a main ish character in like probably five episodes a season um and other than that he's just the cryptkeeper intro guy Yeah. But almost all the episodes do have dream stuff, and a lot of the dream people act like Freddy Krueger, so it's very... (laughs) There's a fine line.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's almost like... It's almost like Freddy haunts every dream in Springwood, but he gets bored of killing people, so he kind of just, like, fucks with everyone else. He's like, man, like, this is your... I'm just gonna mess with these people. Like, I'll kill these people over here, but these people, I'm just gonna, like, really mess with them, because... Everyone sleeps in this town, and I don't know. There's nothing else to do for if you're Freddy Krueger.
0: Yeah, no, the, the the dreams just keep popping up because people are falling asleep every five seconds. He can't personally attend to all of them. He, he has to hire a staff. Yeah. Um, but basically, she wakes up. Um, she discovers that the swords and knives are missing from the case now, and so she, her, she makes her husband take her to the murderer's house and, while refusing to take her... Uh, her brain her brain pills, you know. Her brain pills. M- mo- movie pills that do unspecified things for her brain. <laughs> um, so basically, she ends up breaking into the murderer's house, which she finds out by calling the moving company, like, where they switched the boxes from. Um, and then she sees her husband, Doug, tied up. And for some reason, the evil killer man is saying, there's no place, like, home, like Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and... She wakes up again outside the house in her car. She walks in and sees the sexy mover. I'm, I, I shouldn't call him that. He is sexy, but his character is despicable. That's true. Um, but yeah, so he's just like sitting there eating fruit. And I couldn't tell what fruit it was because the quality of the screen is not, not what you want it to be. But it seemed, no. it seemed good. He's very um, like
1: softcore porno, isn't he?
0: absolutely he absolutely has his dick in a pizza box whenever possible
1: (laughs) right and like just like you know his sleeves are always like tucked up all the way so you can see all of his biceps and (laughs) like he's always like kind of like sauntering around you know casually eating juicy fruit like it's very yeah yeah, it's very soft. like he owns the place yes very like i love that he's just there chilling and she's like what are you doing here he's like I'm waiting for everyone else and i'm like oh so you're just like sitting inside fucking eating this fruit okay
0: yeah i think maybe he's the only mover and he just takes frequent breaks yeah um but basically doug is like mover guy we don't need you you can leave and she's like no but we need we need our boxes like why'd you do this and doug's like you had to look in the boxes didn't you all my previous wives found out about this side of me i'm basically blackbeard i'm gonna murder you now um
1: (laughs) i'm basically blackbeard i didn't even make that connection yeah or is it bluebeard yeah bluebeard's bluebeard bluebeard yeah yeah yeah, sorry also though when he's like all my other wives i'm like you're not that old like how many wives have you had They,
0: they did make a joke in the first part that she is his third wife oh okay um but it's like one line so I was like maybe this will come back and I guess it, it did <laughs> um, but yeah I guess he married you know they don't seem to have been married well no they, this couple seems to have been married for a while because they've already dealt with her like I don't know breakdown and wherever they used to live but he, I guess he wasn't married to the other wives for more than like a couple months because so. yeah he actually is a young man because most of the people playing young men in the show are 40 but he actually looks young
1: yeah he's not that old
0: so yeah so he he swings his sword at her and she stabs him and then it just kind of ends so i was like oh that that was kind of under anticlimactic um freddy shows up again truly doing a tight five on marriage he's all like are you happily married look at your spouse you looked didn't you how well do you really know him thinking of moving give springwood a shot come for a night stay forever and he just fully ends up in a completely different place than he started
1: (laughs) yeah um i do love all the like it seems like he offers advice at the end of every episode like uh his stingers are very like almost contemplative it's like hey you should really rethink your life and it's like thanks (laughs) freddy krueger yeah i mean
0: maybe not the person i would take that advice from but I'm, i'm happy to hear it thank you exactly Okay, so then our next segment... Th- th- usually the character that is the lead of the next segment has appeared at some point in the first one, but no, the only connecting character is this despicable mover guy who continues to be lustful and terrible. Um, but yeah, so there's this young woman who moves in. This one's Leah Ayers from The Burning. Um, she puts up all this these Native American artifacts in her house, and this old lady neighbor, who she already knows the name of for reasons that are unexplained... <laughs> um, wanders in and she's like oh so you're an archaeologist she's like oh well i'm an assistant at the university yada 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 um what she, she's she like, calls
1: them something different too i mean I, I like noticed she doesn't call them native american she calls them oh, oh indian american
0: yeah no american indians which yeah, is american indians which is you know that that was the first stab at political correctness on that and right. a failure <laughs>
1: yeah like when she said it, I like noticed. I was like, "Ooh, I don't like that."
0: Yeah, because it's still not—it's not, not what—it's just—it's not true. You can't. Just, it, they are neither American nor Indian. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. Well, I mean, American in the sense of like the name America was applied not by them.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Um. But yeah. So, basically, the ladies like the old lady's like, "Oh, do you have a boyfriend?" I can introduce it to these young men. She's basically she is um the lady in the beginning of the Titanic. She's very she she is crumbling.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. okay, and I'll say too, because she is so old looking, I thought she was Freddie again. <laughs> I was <laughs> like I was like, yeah, it's just like for, it's Robert England in prosthetics, right? Like <laughs> Or or it's like someone in prosthetics so that they can easily make it look like it's Robert England. But nope, once again I was fooled. Yeah, no, she really has no she has
0: no part in the horror of this. She's just an old lady neighbor, but they make her up to be truly ancient.
1: Yeah, and she has... She doesn't... The only reason she exists is so our lead can just explain what's happening to her.
0: Oh, yeah. And look, we need it. So it's a oh, weird... This is a yeah, weird one. Yeah, this one's
1: really weird.
0: Um, but yeah, so... <sighs> Yeah, you imagine she's going to do the It chapter 2 thing of like she's going to start doing like a weird jig <laughs> and like attacking her but no. Nope. <laughs> um so basically the mover is here again really trying to shake things up and flirt with this lady now. And first of all, I he is a monster, so I don't approve of anything that he does, but also she's very rude to this mover before she knows that he's a monster. Um He's like, oh, where should I put this box? Um, and she's like, it's labeled kitchen. So the bathroom, dumbass. Like basically, like.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and this mover too is just like in this one is very persistent. Like, one does this guy ever not work because he's only ever wor- wearing his moving gear? Um, and even two, in the park, <laughs> yeah, even in the park. And two, like even after he has fully moved in, he just like shows up at her apartment. Yeah, he keeps doing that. He's I hate him. I wish he had
0: died. <laughs> <laughs> Springwood would be safe from at least one of the monsters.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Um, but, yeah. God, wait. What's – the Freddy part is just more babbling. I, d- I, I wrote it all down. Like, I was just typing, like, as fast as I could, uh, like, to what he was saying. But it, none of it makes sense, so I'm not even going to repeat it. Um Oh, but he's talking to, like, a a skeleton with glowing eyes that he turns around and is like, ooh, she's in a blonde wig, so she's sexy. (laughs) A sexy skeleton. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so... Okay, so we... After Freddy's moment, we cut to a man sitting at a desk, and he gets a note slid under his door, which is a love letter that's like, My darling Gregory, I know this is dangerous, but I must tell you how much I love you. And so yeah it's from jane and apparently this apartment was built in regency england in ohio <laughs> um
1: <laughs> oh wow
0: yeah it, it's it's very old-timey and fashionable apparently well, we, we do find out later so th- our our girl roxanne has been dreaming this moment but she sees him hide the letters away in a secret apartment or compartment in the apartment and she finds that compartment and unearths the letters which are love letters between him and jane Um, And she was his mistress in 1890. Um, So while she's reading the letters, she walks past a fancy Mrs. Danvers is looking Mrs. Danvers looking ghost in her apartment who vanishes when she turns to look. And basically this is where we alternate between the old lady coming in to discuss these sexy romance letters and then her reading them and like envisioning herself as Jane, the mistress and like in this torrid love affair. Yeah,
1: and this whole thing is so odd to me, like... The first one I can at least, like, the first segment of this episode, I can at least be like, okay, I guess, like, she's just, like, falling asleep like, on the car ride and stuff, but this one I'm like, where are you that you're constantly just, like, are the daydreams counting as, like, what's happening here? Because they seem more like daydreams than anything else, and also, um... Like, I don't know, it's just, it's very, like, confusing, all of, like, the bouncing back and forth.
0: Yeah, like, at first, it seems really clear that, like, oh, she's imagining herself, like, in doing the circumstances of this letter, because she's been unlucky in love, and she's, like, really impressed by this impassioned love affair, and she likes to imagine herself in it, in these period clothes that look, they look okay, they look like, you know, they got pulled from a high school prop closet, Um, but it's 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 a budget that freddie has not shown before
1: yeah also i hate th- this is i know it's a, a like a, a tidbit but um why is she reading the letters so slow
0: yeah i was thinking that i was like she is and she has an assistantship at a college well first of all the the guy she shares an office with seems to actively hate her so maybe she's terrible um but she's yeah, all he does so is look mad. at her
1: and like negatively shake his head like yeah like, he's just like tired of her bullshit
0: yeah <laughs> And she's not even doing anything. They're just sitting in in the quiet and she like moves some papers around and he's like, Oh, this I hate her
1: <laughs> But yeah, she reads so slow because I'm like, Okay, there's like maybe ten letters, eleven letters, and like it's been days. Yeah, like, she reads
0: one a day and she seems like rapaciously interested in them. It doesn't seem like she's saving them. She's just really slow.
1: Yeah, that was uh that was off putting to me. I was like and it's not just yeah she's just like so involved in it like very interested and I'm like, are you savoring it? Is that why you're reading one a day? Is this a a, a exercise in self control?
0: Yeah, it's really confusing, and I don't know. It, I I think we're just seeing that her life is being sucked up into reading these letters, right? Um, and so she's she's sitting in the park on this bench where Gregory and Jane once met in the in 1890 Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> and the mover shows up again in his work uniform, as we mentioned. Um, and he's basically like, "I've been thinking about you, and I want you to go out with me." Not even—it's not an ask; it is a demand. Um, and the thing that really sucks about this scene is that this is where it made it pretty clear to me that what this episode's trying to position him as is her pulling away from romantic options because she's so interested in these letters as opposed to real-life romance. Right. And I'm like, he is not a good option. (laughs) Like, she should be able to say no to this man and still be open to romance with a real-life person because he is a monster. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, No, that's very true. I I definitely, I saw that and I was like, "Um, but he's not a viable option either. (laughs) Like, I know she shouldn't be like, Absorbed with fantasy romance, man, but also like softcore porno, moving man is also not great.
0: No, and speaking of softcore porno, she does envision a sex scene with Gregory that is fully like she stepped into the cover of a romance novel. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a roaring fire and like open shirts. It's very, it's very, uh, very steamy. Um, but then she steps out onto the balcony and she like in real life and she gets pushed off by Margaret, the wife, like the ghost of her, I guess. And she's like, "He's mine." and so the old lady comes in again she's like tell me about these letters child and she's like no i'm done with them like you know they were taking too long to read um but no she's like they're starting to affect her life too much so she burns them up um in the next scene the mover is just chasing her down the hall to her apartment again once you're done moving don't show up back to the place uninvited
1: yeah no weird
0: and he's just like, all I want to do is go out. What's wrong with that? And it's what's wrong with that is that she said no, son. Leave her alone. Like
1: multiple times.
0: Yeah. It, infinite no's. A cavalcade of no's. And basically he's like, I don't think you know what you want. And he's like, what? A guy needs to be perfect or you're not interested? Is that it? It's like, no. I mean, well, Maybe. But you're so far from perfect that it's not even in the conversation.
1: I do I do like, though—well, I don't like, but I did notice that she, he says, what, a guy has to be perfect? And she goes, what's wrong with perfect? And I was like, well, it's impossible. So, like, I understood. I was like, I get what you're going for here, but also at the same time, like, perfect is also not possible. Like, that's not a good expectation to set for yourself either. But also, this guy is so far from perfect. Like, you're— You're wrong on both counts here. Or you're right on one count by not wanting to be with this guy, but it's for the wrong reason, I guess. Like, her reasoning isn't like, you're a creepy douchebag. Her reason is, you're not a perfect man.
0: Yeah, again, see, that is the fault of the screenplay, or, the you know, the teleplay here, Um, which is positioning this horrible man as a viable romantic option, which should not have been the case. It's really, truly the most horrifying thing in the episode. (laughs) Um... And this has happened before a couple times in the show where, you know, it's like, well, why don't you want to go out on a date with this perfectly normal guy who is refusing to listen to you and trying to force you to, you know, make out with him? Uh, oh, it's gross. It's gross. The, the consent things are not, are not present here. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, she goes back into a dream. It's when she comes home. It, it's kind of a, a, a dream of the past that she has no control over now. And she now has a red wig on. Um, she looks like the Christian uh, the wig character of the surprise lady.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Um, it's really, really silly. Um, she sees Margaret point a gun at her, and she's like, I'm sorry I had to do this. And there's a really stupid-looking like struggle over this gun. And uh, basically... Gregory shoots her she doesn't realize that she is like playing the character of the cheated on wife now she thought she was still being Jane but no she's the wife and she gets shot and then in real life she just falls from a ladder very dramatically
1: (laughs) yeah um I hated this
0: yeah it's really dumb it doesn't go anywhere it's no like it's not like a comeuppance for being sucked into the letters necessarily It, it just doesn't flow it doesn't it's not coherent
1: no, and the first, like, the first one's fun, and, like, it's, like, campy and fun, and it's a little bit silly, but, like, this one, especially, like, you have, I mean, how long are these episodes? Like, f- 30 minutes? 45 minutes? They're 45. Yeah, 45 minutes, so you have, like, roughly 22 minutes to establish rules and stick to them, and it it takes 22 minutes to establish rules and then quickly break them. Because um, it's, like, it also, she got pushed off a balcony in her dream, but lived in real life, but just now, now, and also, she's, like, on a fucking ladder, I mean, when we're talking about falling asleep or daydreaming anywhere, I'm like, did she fall asleep on that fucking ladder? Like, (laughs) because that's, or like, she's just like really lost in thought because she has to fall off of the ladder from the dream into real life. I don't know. I just was like, sharp turn into, I don't like this for me.
0: Yeah, and also, I mean, I do love the ladder. It's one of those like kind of uh, library ladders that she just seems to have in her apartment. Yeah, it's Um, very uh,
1: Beauty and the Beast.
0: Oh, yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. I, I love the setup of the shelves there. Um, but, yeah, she falls off this ladder, which is, like, maybe a six-foot ladder. And she falls off it like she's King Kong falling off the Empire State <laughs> Building. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's really disappointing. And then Freddy's like, next time you're alone in your house, think about who went before you. It might be pretty crowded. The dead have to go somewhere. And I'm just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> And then he has a piece of paper, and he's like, now this is what I call love letters. And it just says R.I.P. on the back. And I was like, okay.
1: Yeah, they really – uh I don't think they were trying there.
0: No, they just – they're really just letting him riff, and I don't think he knows what the script was about. They were like, just say something about love and just keep going. We'll tell you to stop. And then they just forgot and took a coffee break while he was talking.
1: Yeah, I was – um even I kind of facepalmed that one. I was like, that was bad. <laughs>
0: <sighs> yeah, but... Okay, so final thoughts on this episode. Was it a dream? Was it a nightmare? Or did it put you to sleep?
1: Um, it's the episode as a whole, right?
0: Yeah. You you can split it up if you want because the two halves are so different.
1: Right. Um, the second half... Is Nightmare, like, I hated it, it was a nightmare? <laughs> is that the, the rating scale? Or is it, like, it, it was good?
0: No, okay. Well, Dream is good, Nightmare is bad, and Put You to Sleep is just kind of, like, ambivalent and boring.
1: Right. Um, okay, so then I'll, I'll say um, the first one is... Um, uh, I mean... Oh, God. These are hard, Brennan. The second one is definitely a nightmare. It's bad. It's not good. Um, That's that's an easy choice. But the first... I didn't, like, hate the first one, but also it's not, like, anything I'm gonna, like... The only person I'll probably talk about it again with my li- in my life is you or B. Yeah, fair. <laughs> like I'm not going to go around and be like, dude, you got to check out this Freddy's Nightmares episode because it's really good. Um,
0: You're never going to be moving and being like, wow, this really <laughs> reminds me of that episode <laughs> of Freddy's Nightmares,
1: right? So I kind of want to just put it out like it was. Um, like you know, it put me to sleep, but it, but but I didn't like hate it. You know, it was like I'm yeah. I happy th- I'm happy that I watched it. I'll probably never watch it or talk about it again. <laughs> Fair, yeah,
0: um, yeah. For me, this whole episode kind of shakes out to a put me to sleep situation. I was like just really underwhelmed by by all of this, and I really really hated everything to do with the mover
1: character. Yeah, no, I don't blame me there. He was an awful character to carry over, and then yeah, that second part was just so, like, I mean, it, the whole thing was kind of boring, but then the end is so confounding that I was like, ugh, okay.
0: Yeah, God, I don't even know. Ugh, gross. Let's just move on. Okay. Ryan, um, where can everybody find you out there on the internets and all the things that you <laughs> write and do and everything? Right.
1: Yeah, um, okay, so I have a monthly column over at Bloody Discussing. It's called You Ought to Know, where I uh, cover movies from the 2000s um and that's usually once a month sometimes twice a month over there you can find all sorry
0: and not to not to like fully you know you know derail you so quickly but that title is truly it is the gift that keeps on giving (laughs) the title of your column It's, it's the the most perfect combination of puns
1: yeah i actually thought of the column the title before i thought of the premise of the column i was like because, you know, I mean, you, I, I talk with you, actually, a lot about how much I love 2000s horror, and I think it's under, like, um, appreciated within the community. Yeah. And, and so, like, there was one day, and it literally came from me listening to Atlantis Morissette, and I was just like, huh, oughts, oughta, and I was like, I should do something with that. <laughs> um. So that's literally where that came from. Uh, and it was, like, fortuitous because Bloody already has, like, an 80s and a 90s column, so I was like, I'll just continue it with the 2000s um yeah so you can find that there um like i said keep screaming us anywhere you can find podcasts so it's on um you know apple podcasts it's on spotify it's on stitcher it's on um, anything you can find podcasts on um, all of my writing the bulk of my like pers- my own writing for reviews is over at ghastlygrinning.com um, as well as like a number of other reviews and uh, columns from other writers um, and then you can find, I mean, to me, honestly, the most important thing that you can do is support We Are Horror because um, it's not about me. It's about marginalized voices in the genre, which I think are, the, it's the number one thing that we need to focus on and give a bigger voice and um, platform to. Um, so you can always check that out. It's only a dollar to, uh, you can donate a dollar. It gets you, a, like, in the thank yous. Um, and then, like I said, four bucks a month gets you the access to the magazine. Um, which is an all-digital magazine that comes out bi-monthly. And then $8 gets you that extra tier where you get all the extra columns as well. Um, But just remember that money literally goes to paying everyone who's involved with it and making space um, at the table for new voices.
0: Yeah, it's really important and really cool. And I'm not just saying that because I got to write for it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, and, like, truly, I'm just so excited – Two, one, it's really cool to have all these people that I respect and, and, like, really kind of idolize, like, yourself and BJ and Anya, who are all writing. But what has been even more rewarding is seeing these people who didn't think that they had a voice or something to say, and we've been able to give them that platform and seeing them... Be able to take part in and be congratulated on those um on on their writing has just been one like anytime i see someone call out an article and be like this really impacted me that to me is the most special thing um so it's just been really really cool
0: yeah and yeah I, i do encourage everyone to check it out it's really inexpensive and you know the money's going to a very good cause of like well especially right now well even before the pandemic um freelance writers are having a hell of a time out there on out on the internet um but especially during the pandemic it's been extra hard so the fact that you all have started this during this moment is really really impactful on a lot of people's lives in many ways
1: yeah no it's been it's been um it's been our privilege honestly to be able to do it and i'm just really excited about it
0: yeah um yeah i think that yeah that's it okay um (laughs)
1: Oh, and then you can find me on Twitter. That's my main, like, platform that I use. Um, I'm at Ryan Larson. I don't use Facebook. I'm on Instagram, but don't post anything very interesting. I usually just, again, um, try to highlight and boost other people. Like, my peers work on there. But if you want to, you can follow me. It's at RyanWritesLeft.
0: Yes. Um, and all of that information will be in the show notes, as well as how to donate. Um, every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you help us keep going by donating to the okra project you can donate through the link in the show notes take a screenshot of your receipt and send it to w2ptpod at gmail.com or dm it to me on social media you can find me on twitter at it's raining brands and instagram at the burning clem um our artwork was created by henry hall if you'd like to support trans artists and you should you can send him a commission at henryhall.design our theme song is living in a dream by pseudo echo write and review us, please. Uh, next episode, Ryan will be rejoining us for Photo Finish. A photographer who's anxious to get her career back on track gets some unexpected help on her latest photo shoots from Freddie. Um, meanwhile, three FBI agents come to Springwood to investigate a family homicide, but Freddie has some surprises in store for them. So stay tuned for that on Friday. And until then, sweet dreams, everybody. Bye.